0: You're listening to the Sermon Podcast for the Gate Church in Lethbridge, Alberta. For more information, to contact us, or to support this ministry, please visit thegate.org. Uh, that we get to be together today, in person or online, celebrating the glorious presence of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and what He's done for us and. Um, On that end, I'm also happy to announce that we'll be beginning a brand new uh, summer sermon series all about God's love, which we've titled, No Greater Love. No Greater Love. Yeah. One person's excited. All right. (laughs) I'm excited about it. Uh, Personally, though, I wanted to call the series The Summer of Love, but uh, I was informed by some people who I mentioned it to the title was not only not cool, but that it gave off some unintended Song of Songs vibes. So I don't know, though. Summer of Love, right? It's, it's got a ring to it. That's secretly the title. Uh, <laughs> but it, no, it's no great love. But the point remains, anyways, this summer we're going to have 11 sermonettes. That is shorter sermons. You're welcome. Uh, all about love. Specifically speaking, the first five messages this summer uh, will each highlight and address a specific characteristic or an expression of God's love, and then the next six messages after that, possibly seven if we add one, we'll see see what the Lord does, Uh, those ones will address how God's love empowers us to respond in love to Him and to those around us. And, and we've set up the series in this specific order on purpose because as First John 4.19 reminds us, we love because he first loved us, right? Or as Jesus commanded us, love others as I have loved you, right? So these verses tell us, uh, first and foremost, that love starts with him, right? Love starts with God, It's revealed in Jesus and it's enabled in us by him and through the power of his spirit. So before we can truly love God and then love others like Christ loved us, we need to first understand the depth of his love and and be rooted in it and and most importantly, be filled by it. So that's the goal. That's why for for the first half of the summer, we're gonna start by focusing and meditating on the Lord's love for us and what that looks like. We're not going to try to reinvent the wheel here either. But rather, we, want, we just want the Holy Spirit to, to, to draw us back to the foundation, to the reality of it. Besides, the, the truth is that, that we need a refresher on the, on the fullness and depth of his love each and every morning, right? Especially after the year and a half that we've been through. But, but ultimately, because it isn't just the foundation of our faith. It's the very means by which we grow and mature in faith. His love in us is the basis of our identity and our assurance of faith in what's to come. Uh, So so overall, my prayer for us this summer is that this series would be, first of all, a revitalizing and encouraging reminder for us of the depth with which God truly loves us. Because he does. So I just hope that it'll be a revitalizing and encouraging reminder. Secondly, my prayer for us is that this series would also prepare us as individuals and as the body of Christ for what the Lord's planning on doing and working in us over the next year or so and beyond that. That that it would spur us on to love one another and love our neighbor in Jesus' name more than ever before. Precisely because we want as many people as possible to have the opportunity to experience what we've experienced, right? To know his love and to be saved and rescued by it. In fact, I strongly believe, along with many other pastors that I've spoken to and prayed with and, and listened to over the last half year, that this pandemic has opened a lot of doors for us in our communities to spread the gospel and share the love of Jesus. People are asking questions out there. They're, they're searching And I believe we have the answer in Jesus that their souls are longing for and looking for. And so I don't want us as a church to miss this moment that we have. The harvest is ready, and therefore we need to be empowered and made ready to be workers of it. Workers filled by the spirit and love of God, excited and passionate and longing even to spread the hope and love of Christ that's within us into our city and beyond. Thirdly though, my prayer is that this series would also help in strengthening our love for one another within the church. Jesus told us that the world would know him by the way we love one another as the body of Christ. And I'm not saying that, that we've been bad at it, quite the opposite, but I'm excited and hopeful for how we can continue to grow in it. Fourth, and, and finally, my prayer is that this, this simple an encouraging sermon series would would present each of you with with a pretty easy and safe opportunity to invite the unchurched to church. Simply put, if you know someone who who doesn't know the love of Jesus, a friend, a family member, a neighbor, a a co-worker, a classmate, whomever, if they've never experienced or, or heard about the love of Jesus and you love them and you want them to know it, then I would encourage you to invite, just invite them to to join us this summer. Or, or to even just watch our services online so that they can encounter uh, even a glimpse of the truth and hope of God's love as well. Um, you don't have to worry about me preaching on some crazy weird thing, right? Like difficult theological thing. It's, we're, we're talking about God's love. We're talking about Jesus' love. So it's, it's safe to invite your, your friends. It, I mean, it's always safe, but this is especially safe to invite your friends to, to join us. So to sum it up, The goal for this series is to grow in the knowledge and the depth of the love of God, to be equipped in love as workers of the harvest, to grow in love as the body of Christ, and that it would be in and of itself an opportunity to introduce the lost to Jesus. So I pray that we, as the church, can can really get behind this and, and can become just as excited about it as I am. Um, And in the same vein, I pray that we would never grow bored or apathetic in hearing about God's love for us, but that each and every time that we do, it would make our hearts full and bring us to our knees with with thanksgiving and rejoicing. Amen? Awesome. Well, I'm excited for what God's going to do this summer. And uh, as some of you may have already guessed from the title of our series, which is No Greater Love... Um, that the verse which will be the basis for our theme this summer comes from Jesus' own famous words in John fifteen thirteen, when he tells his disciples, "No one has greater love than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends." Let's let's pray before I, before I get going here. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for your love for your mercy, for your grace, for your compassion, for your justice, Lord. We, we thank you so much for who you are and that you've called each and every one of us and invited each and every one of us in the name of Jesus to come before you and experience that love, Lord. And as we, as we go through your word and as we, we discover and, and remember the depth with which you love us, Lord God, I pray that you would stir up our hearts, Make us passionate for your name. Make us uh, strong. Strengthen us, Lord, in your love that we may persevere and go forth and, and be lights and be examples and vessels of your love in this world, Lord God. I thank you so much for what you're going to be doing this summer in us, how you're going to be speaking in us and moving in us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would would fill each one of us, that you would open our hearts to receive and to be empowered to go forth, Lord, to love you and to love others as you have loved us. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So the thing about love, any kind of love, really, familiar or romantic or relational or whatever, is that there's, no, there's absolutely no possible way to express it or show it without some sort of sacrifice, right? What I mean is every single form and expression of love must be, for it to be love, it must be in some way selfless and generous, whether it's the love of a parent to their child, a listening ear of a friend, uh, serving somebody, uh, showing up at church and preaching a sermon instead of sitting out there and watching the soccer game. Go Netherlands. But if you love me, don't tell me the score. Or, you know, or, or whether it's something like love expressed within a relationship or a marriage, right? It's always, in some sense, sacrificial. In fact, the, the Apostle Paul uses the very model of marriage in, in Ephesians as an example of how love should be modeled after Christ, how he loves the church and how the church loves Christ, right? That, that, which, you know, the bottom line is that love is demonstrated through selfless sacrifice for the purpose of building the other person up, Right? Love is demonstrated through selfless sacrifice for the purpose of building the other person up. So to love then, to, that is to truly love, is to give something of ourselves to lift up another. So whether that's our time or our, our money or our energy, our emotion, our forgiveness, our honesty, our openness, our advice, our encouragement, our blood, sweat, and tears, maybe even to put our own personal dreams on hold in order to give room for someone else's. In many ways, love is ultimately an expression, not not only of our feelings for someone, because it's definitely part of it, but, but love is an expression of the deepest kind of humility and selflessness. Love is an expression of the deepest kind of humility and selflessness. And therefore, the greatest way we could ever love someone is to give them all that we are for their benefit. To lay down our very lives in order to lift them up. And this is the way that Jesus loves you. He set aside his very nature and even his life for you so that you could be lifted up in righteousness, so that you could thrive in the power of his spirit, so that you could have abundant and eternal life in the presence of God. 1 John 4.10 tells us love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. There's no greater love than this. And yes, again, you might be thinking, oh, I've, I've heard this all before. Jesus died on the cross for me. Got it. I, you know, I, I received that 20 years ago. Blah, 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 right? But if that's our response, do we, do we actually got it? <laughs> with, with, with such a great example, an outpouring of love, shouldn't our hearts leap at, at the sound of it each and every time we hear it? Again, for the sake of our hearts and for the endurance of our faith, we need to hear this every single day. And not only because we're a forgetful bunch as humans, which we are, but because his love is everything. It's it's the fullness of God, as scripture tells us. Love is the fullness of God. His love is what will remain after everything else is gone. It's essential to all that we are and will be. It, It establishes us. It leads us into all truth. It draws us closer to him, gives us perseverance, and it matures us as we grow in the knowledge of it. His love freely delivers us from our endless striving and need for affirmation because it validates us and and assures us of our true identity. It, It empowers us with truth and purpose. It invites us into a deep and open relationship with God, It comforts us us, and it gives us refuge. And the best part is, is that while it costs Jesus everything, it costs us nothing. His love is freely given to us. More than that, even while we were doing everything we could to run from it, Jesus came into humanity to offer it to us. Romans 5, 7 to 8 tells us that for one will scarce, scarcely, scarcely, scarcely. What for thank you. That I love your love and correction. I appreciate it. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God, He shows His love for us, and that while we were still sinners, right, running from His love. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait until the world loved him before he gave his life for the forgiveness of sins. Quite the opposite, in fact. He initiated it even while the world was doing everything but loving him. In fact, he even did it for those who put him on the cross. How powerful is that? And all the while, he had each of you in mind. He knows you. He knows your heart. He knows the good things and the bad. He knows your flaws. He knows your mistakes and your doubts. He knows your future. He knows every hair on your head. He knows your insecurities and your hopes. He knows every single thought and desire. And in knowing all of it, he said, yes, I'll go to the cross for you. I'll give my life for your redemption. I'll take your place. I'll make a way for you to live. Not in spite of who you are, but precisely because of who you are and who he knows you're meant and created to be. You'll never experience or know a greater love than this because there is no greater love. You know, people always depict Jesus' love as this, te- this like, cheesy, touchy-feely kind of love. They're like, oh, Jesus, oh. You know, like, and, and while it is compassionate and, and empathetic, it's also pretty hardcore, right? It's, it's intense. It's powerful. It's glorious. It's holy. It's sacrificial. It's bloody. It's all of himself. It's his life, He humbled himself, and he chose to lay it down for you. And it wouldn't be true love if it was forced, would it? No, Jesus chose to do this for you and for me. He chose to do it before the world even began. He knew knew sin would, would enter into the world through disobedience. Right, He knew we'd become separated from his presence and his glory because of it. He knew we'd be prone to selfishness and that we'd be enslaved to the darkness of our own disparity and greed and pride, searching for identity, for affirmation and validation, looking for satisfying love and everything but God, including ourselves, but never fully finding it. Be- before we were even born, he saw each and every single one of us in our darkest hour, knowing we'd never be able to find our way out. And so as he wept at our plight, as he, as he raged with fury at the power which sin and death held over us, held over our souls, as he raged at the evil which deceived us, Jesus, in his mercy and compassion, with the inevitability of the cross before him, decided that, yes, I do love them, I love them with all my heart and soul and mind and strength to the point that I'll shed my blood, give my life, even go to the depths of hell and back, not only to rescue them from the judgment and penalty of their sin and the power of death, but in order to renew their hearts and invite them back into the arms and family of God. Ephesians one it says, for he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. That's the depth and power and awesomeness of Jesus' love, which is lavished upon us and richly poured out on us by his grace. It's a selfless love. It's a forgiving love. It's a compassionate love, a tearful and empathetic love, a, faith, a faithfully patient and enduring love, a furious love, an unconditional love, a freeing and life-changing love, a generous love, a victorious love, a saving love. It's the greatest love. Love. And for those who receive it by faith, it's sealed within us through the gift and power of his Holy Spirit who continually reminds us of it and empowers us to walk in it. And if you've never experienced this love, this this transforming and saving grace, then now's the time. Now's the time, if you confess and believe in the name of Jesus by faith for the forgiveness of your sins, then you will be saved. Set free from your guilt, from your insecurities, your constant striving for approval and affirmation, from your anxieties and uncertainties about not knowing whether you've earned God's favor or not. Because through Jesus, who paid the price for you and stands in the gap for you, you can be confident and assured in the fact that you're deeply loved. That you're freely and joyfully welcomed into his grace and filled with the spirit. Believe in his name and you will know that love. On that note, I'm hoping to do a baptism service later on this summer sometime, hopefully in August So if you've given your life to Jesus and you want to take that next step of baptism, then let me know and we can rejoice over that together as well. All right, so throughout the summer, we're going to be expanding on all those details and expressions of of God's love, which I just listed earlier. But for today, I want to emphasize and remind us more than anything else, I want to encourage you to abide in His love, to abide in His love more and more. Because everything else we're called to do and be as followers of Christ will only follow and flow from abiding in his love. This is why Jesus calls us to not just know about him, but to abide in him as if he is the vine and we are the branches. Because it's only from the vine that we as the branches gain the resources and and the nutrients to grow and to bear good fruit and to be pruned by the father, the vine dresser. And so on that end though, Imagine if we were 100% abiding in the vine. Right? Imagine if we could, we could or if we did live every second, every moment of our lives in the power of his presence in his spirit and truth with, with that sense and impression on our hearts that Jesus loves me. Where, where every choice and decision we make is through the wisdom and lens of Jesus loves me. Where every time we interact with with another person in our lives, it's in the example and response to the truth that Jesus loved me and gave his life for me. Where every trial or, or circumstance or decision, good or bad, easy or difficult, is endured and dealt with in the mindset and with the assurance that Jesus loves me. What, what confidence, what boldness, what strength and purpose and focus and, and hope and joy and peace and unity and selflessness we'd have as the body of Christ, no matter what the world or the enemy would try to throw at us, no matter what, Jesus loves me. And this is precisely what Jesus prays for prays for us before he goes to the cross. John 17, 23, he's praying to the Father, and he says he says about his disciples, I am in them, and you are in me, so that they may be made completely one, that the world may know you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. That the world may know you have sent me and have loved them You, us, as you have loved me. As God the Father has loved Jesus the Son. So let's remind ourselves of this truth daily, hourly, minute by minute, that through Jesus, we are loved as if we were the Son of God ourselves. There's no greater love than that. There is no greater love than this which is the greatest truth of all, because there's nothing greater than love. 1 Corinthians 13 13 says, So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so put it all together, right? We find out that through Jesus, we've been given the greatest of all things, the greatest love. That is incredible. That is awesome. And so so take refuge and and comfort in this truth. Rest in it. Grow in, in your understanding of it. Bathe in it through the reading of his word, which which is his love story to us. And, and meditate in the truth of it day and night. Like, like how one would soak in the warm sun on a summer's day. Abide in it. Feast on it. Which is hopefully what we're do- going to be doing this summer. Just feasting on it. And it's actually what Jesus invites us to do whenever we come to his table and communion, right? Which we're going to be doing together in a moment. But before we do that, first of all, I'd just like to pray over us all the same prayer which the Apostle Paul prayed for the church in Ephesus, that it would be our prayer and hope as, as we learn more about God's love for us this summer. So before we respond in communion, let's, let's bow our heads together and, and, and I'm going to pray over us the same prayer that Paul prayed over the church in Ephesus from Ephesians 3, 14 to 21. Let us pray. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, I pray that you, being rooted and firmly established in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love. And to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever, we pray. Amen. Amen. That is our prayer and that is our hope for this summer.